Ah, you hear the Scotsman, you know what time it is. It's time to check into Cash Valley. Aggie country is where we go today. And I'm honored to be joined by a member of their basketball team who helped ignite that team to another conference championship. And uh, real quickly before we get to it, thanks again for joining me. Tony Parks Podcast. Appreciate everybody for tuning in uh, day in and day out. You can find us on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and more. All part of the Utah Podcast Network. Find me on all forms of media at Tony Parks 801. We're joined today by Alfonso Anderson. Fonz, welcome to the show. How the heck are you? Hey, what's going on? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, man. Are you are you back home or are you in the state of Utah? How has that been working out? Oh, I'm actually I'm actually in Logan. We got back um mid mid last month and uh just been kinda of working out, trying to prepare for the season and taking all the right steps yeah so we know what the recent days have been like then but what on earth has the last five months been like uh for you your family for just everybody involved oh yeah i mean it's it's been crazy like you know we we come off that win in march and we're all thinking you know we're going to march madness and then a few days later everything just kind of gets shut down and that that month was kind of real frantic um we didn't know if we could practice, what we were doing, what was going on, and we ended up going home. You know, um, it was it was a good break though. I got got time to spend with the family, and uh, that was probably the longest break I've had since I've been in college. So it was, it was good to spend that time with the family. Was that kind of your first introduction to just how serious this thing was? Because you had to hear some rumblings before, and you're thinking, "There's no way they're going to cancel March Madness, right?" Like, is that was that kind of the feel before the news became official? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think um, I think what kind of started steamroll was when the NBA shut down, and it was like, oh no. When I got that news, I was like, there's no way we're gonna play this year, which which was heartbreaking. But you know, it is what it is. Everybody got to be safe and figure out stuff. Yeah, that was also weird for me too. I was on the video with Rudy. And where he's touching all the stuff, I'm like, it, my phone, uh-huh. my phone was going nuts. I mean, just blowing up. Uh, people reaching out to me, and I actually was working on a. Uh, I was going to watch the first half of that game on DVR. I was working on a different project, so I kind of put my phone away. And then uh-huh. when I looked at my phone, like all these missed calls, text messages, "Are you okay? Where are you at?" And I'm like, "What is going on? Like, what exactly is going on?" And then you flip on the TV, and it was it was just it was nuts. Where were you when all that was happening? Were you going to watch the game? Were you seeing that live? Like. Uh, what? How kind of eye-opening was that for you in terms of the experience of coming to the uh, the realization of what was going on? Yeah, so um, we were still in Logan. Uh, we got we uh, took that plane back at night, and uh, coach kind of was waiting. We had to practice that Saturday or Sunday or something like that. But we were just kind of waiting on the news, um, and then we're just kind of seeing everything go down, like just. Every every hour it got worse. There was just worse stuff coming out, and then the NBA shut down. And it was like all these different stipulations. And me and my roommates were just sitting at home, like, man, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then they they pulled the plug. So you are from Tacoma. Describe what your childhood was like. What was it like growing yeah. up in Tacoma? Uh it was great. You know, I um, it's a it's a city uh, south of Seattle, probably like thirty to forty minutes. Um, but growing up in Tacoma is, is a blessing. Like we get, you get faced with so many different like opportunities. I feel like like there's 
different paths you can go down. There's different, you know, there's there's all types of stuff that can happen, just like in any city. But I think the the family feel in Tacoma is big time because, yeah, there's other stuff going on. But at the end of the day, everybody kind of looks out for everybody, and it's uh, it's mm-hmm. great. I love I love I love being from Tacoma. You kind of of the first generation of kids as sports fan, uh, sports fans to grow up without the Sonics. And what was that like, or or what was the kind of feel around so many different people to be without the NBA because Seattle was such a great NBA city. Well, that's that's uh, weird. that's funny to say that. So, um, I I used to go to the Sonics games a lot when I was I'd probably say I was about nine, go up until like age nine or ten. But we used to go to the games. Uh, they used to have like little proams and stuff in town. So. Like being the being able to see the Sonics is big time, and I remember we were going to a preseason game, pre preseason game versus the Lakers, and before the game we got on the um, we got on the, the space needle and everything, and I was talking to this lady on on the, on the elevator. She's like, "Yeah, we're working on a deal to sell the team," and I'm like, "What? Like, no way!" Thinking this is just somebody talking. Yeah, right. And a week later, the news got released, and I was like, "No way!" That had to have been stunning. For so many people, like it's not real until all of yeah. a sudden they're not there, right? It didn't really hit until like a few years down the road when like you start watching NBA games on TV and you're like, dang, they'd never come to Washington. Like it was, it was, it felt like an absence. But um, one thing with that, Mark Crawford did a really good job of, of bringing pros into the town and giving us a show all the time. He had a uh, he hosted a pro am. And we would get we would get a lot of pros in in the city, and they would come to camps and stuff like that. So it was it was big in that part, but we definitely missed having an NBA team. Who was your favorite guy to meet? My favorite guy to meet probably was when KD came into town. Um, he had like fifty points, and just like seeing him play and being able to say what's up to him after the game, like that was <laughs> that was that was dope. Which he, he had the gym rocking. <laughs> Which fans still felt like he was their guy, right? Because they drafted him. So there wasn't any Oklahoma City hate yep. for a guy like that, right? Yeah. No, yeah, no, for sure. The, the city loves KD. Uh, he came back. I went. I ended up going to school in Seattle for two years, and uh, he built a park uh, right next to um, right next to the school. So he, we were at the grand opening for that, and he comes back to the city sometimes, and you know, just kind of shows his face and does something to give back. Gives a shout out all the time. So KD's super cool. Who was your guy growing up? Any sport? I was a I was a big Kobe fan. I, I love Shaq as well, but I was a, I was a huge Kobe fan. I just loved how he competed and how skilled he was at the game. Favorite Kobe moment then as a fan, like growing up, and and did you have to like defend him all the time because you had a lot of people that hated Kobe, right? Yeah. Now it was it was that was weird too. So um, that when so I, I, my favorite team was the Celtics when they had Ray Allen because uh, I really like Ray Allen as well but I was a Kobe fan so like I'm watching the finals during those few years and I'm like I'm rooting for Kobe but I'm like nah he can't win this but at the same time I know he like he needs to win it so it was it was kind of funny for that he's Alfonso Anderson of the Utah State Aggies he joins us right here on the Tony Parks podcast uh what other sports were you great at I mean you know we know you for basketball but kind of uh, what else were you uh, really, really skilled at? Um, so I, my, uh, my parents did a good job of getting me in sports early. I pretty much played everything. Uh, the other sport that lasted the longest was football. I really liked football. Uh, 
I played quarterback. Uh, and then as I got older, I moved um, to receiver, and I would play a little bit of both depending on, on the situation. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like football. Um, if the, the weather the weather didn't always permit it, being in Washington, always raining and stuff, that's the but um, besides that, I, I still I still go out and throw the football every once in a while and feel good about that. You uh, could you have played college football? Do you think if you if if you had dialed in on that, like is that uh, something you think you could have done? I uh, I don't know. I I think with my athleticism, I I, I would have figured it out if I really like trained and worked hard in that. But as I was going into high school, about my freshman year, I, I really locked in on basketball and kind of gave up. Like I I played played football for two more years but I was that was only practice and that was it like all my extra effort went into playing basketball if you fast forward time 40 years from now and you're sitting in front of your grandkids or other young members of your family and you get to go full-on Al Bundy what are you gonna brag about first what are you gonna tell them (laughs) uh you know I think just about like I've won pretty much my whole my whole life like I like I've won so I couldn't even count the amount of championships I won counting from fourth grade AAU tournament to <laughs> high school state championships to a, a junior college uh, championship to a mountain west championship just just the fact that I've always been able to find a way to win and been with winning 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 people Outside of sports, what would you brag about? Would, would you tell them you were a great dancer? Would you like what would uh, what would be the other thing you you think you're going to uh, embellish on at very least? Dude, I don't know. Like it's, NBA two uh, K or, or? Yeah, I would, I would probably I would probably brag about the video game. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. I uh, me and my friends always have competitions, and 99 percent of the time I'm coming out on top. So I'd probably definitely brag about that. He just knows how to win, folks. He's Alfonso Anderson of Utah State Basketball. Look, I, I, <laughs> I'm not surprised that you find a way to win everywhere you go. Early in the season, I had a chance to watch your first few weeks, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this guy is not just a good fit for Utah State. He is a perfect fit because you do, and I don't think a lot of people understand this, you do so many things that win invisible acts of winning, little things that you do defensively, offensively. You can uh, play multiple positions. Uh, you have a very good knack for the game. So what was it about Utah State, though, that was a great fit for you? Uh, you know, um, I think it, it all started with just relationship building. Um, coming my Going into that my JUCO year, um, I didn't even. I hadn't played a game in two years. I was I was hurt for two years, and so never even touched the court. So my recruiting was was a little lower than than I believe it, it would have gotten. So there were some big sky schools that came, and and Utah State actually came to our, uh, our open gym, and uh, it was Coach Smith and Coach Rags, and uh, just they saw me work out. They liked my game, and then we were just kind of talking. We and just it kind of just clicked, you know, and. Um, and that, the Mountain West is a great conference, and I knew I wanted to play higher than the big sky. And that opportunity presented itself early before even before I even really got on the court and mm-hmm. was able to show what I could do. And I think that was like a trust factor that really that really was big for me because a lot of times coaches like they they'll kind of tell you what you want to hear, but for them to go out like and and give me a full scholarship without even watching me play a game in two years, like I think that was a big time. So. Yeah, that's a really big deal too. And and you, the other thing about it is making this transition 
that you did from where you were to where you end up being to D1 and, and something like the Mountain West, I've seen players struggle with that because they have to change mindset on what they had to do to stand out at one level compared to what is needed at the next level. And so habitually, they have to change a number of things that I think some players adjust to well and some don't. Now, you seem to make the change pretty easily, but what was challenging about the adjustment and what did you feel natural about the adjustment? Uh, I'll start off with the challenging part. Um, the uh, Obviously, when you go up different levels, uh, the game gets a little faster. But for me, it gets faster in different areas. Like, offensively, I can kind of control what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm, I was more comfortable in that. The thing that I struggled with early on was, was just, like, how, how much people move off the ball and being in positions defensively. Like mm. my man's back cutting or my man's coming off the down screen. So that was, that was really hard to pick up on early because I was a step behind. I was just because it was, it was faster than before. Um, so that was, that was probably the most challenging thing. But, uh, the thing that felt most comfortable was just being versatile. Like I was, Coach Smith does a really good job of, of giving his guys freedom and, and, Trusting his guys, so when I when I kind when he taught us the offense, obviously we have our plays and stuff. But at the end of the day, you guys got to go out there and be ball players, and that's what I've been doing my whole life. So that that adjustment was uh, was pretty fun for me offensively because I was I was able to do what I do. I, I can make I can make plays, pass, score, um, just do just do kind of a little bit of everything. I have had a chance to be around Craig Smith a few different times, filling in on play by play for your games. And I can definitely feel that he and that staff have something special about them. From a player's perspective, from the recruiting process to the day-to-day part to then winning at a high level, what makes him and that staff so incredibly special? I think the, the energy about our, our, our basketball team is just at a whole other level. Like I've, been, I've been a part of a lot of teams, and like the energy that, that starts at the top trickles all the way down to the very last man. Coach Smith comes in to practice, ready to rock every day. Like he might have a bad day, he might be sick, he might be—I don't know—not feeling great, whatever. But you're never gonna know unless he tells you. And mm-hmm. so he, just that energy, it makes you want to work hard for him because you know he's giving it his all every time he's in the gym with us. And it's it's hard not to want to go when you have somebody like your leader that that's on top of it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and that goes down from the head coach to the assistants to the grad assistants to the managers. Like it goes it, it, it definitely the um, the culture here is, is huge. So you were a part of that, yeah, back to back conference championships. You were a part of the nightcap. Uh describe that tournament run because fans were just in I mean, they were uh, at an all time high for that. How surreal was it on the inside? Oh, uh, you know it was big time. Um, coming off that loss to New Mexico, uh, going into the tournament, like that's never a that's never a great thing to, to end off on. But um, but that, I think that kind of helped us. It kind of refocused us, and and now there was no possibility. Like oh, like early up before that game, we were like, oh, we're a bubble team. We'll probably get in. We, we you know what I'm saying we have a high chance. We lose that game. Now it's like okay, we gotta we gotta turn it up. Like there's no. If fans are bucked, we have to win this tournament. And um, so I think that loss kind of helped recalibrate us. And just um, even starting from game one, uh, players made some huge plays uh, from top to bottom. Uh, you, there was just, it was just, it was just 
fun to be a part of. Yeah, Justin Bean is always one of those guys that I think truly uh, ignites a team in some different ways. Is there a way to explain the way that he will kind of uh, put energy into a team or unselfishness into a team just simply based on his example? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I Justin Bean was probably one of the he, – he helped me out a lot this year. Coming in, um, I never I never guarded somebody that was as active as he was. And from, from going to garden a regular Juco kid or whatever to garden Justin Bean, and it wasn't even the fact that what he would do with the ball or whatever. It was – he, he lost – the first month coach – Coach got on me so much because Bean got like a hundred rebounds, hundred back cuts. <laughs> he was just everywhere, and um, that that actually carried over and, and it helped me lock in to, on my defensive principles later on. Mm-hmm. But just his movement and his energy, like he's always going a hundred percent, and uh, that that is contagious for sure. Like he gets three offensive rebounds. Now you got that leads to either putbacks or open threes, and that just ignites the team from from those and he just makes a lot of winning plays he's alfonso anderson with utah state basketball all right everyone wants to talk about the last game you played in san diego state which is probably going to go down as uh, maybe the most memorable moment in victory for many utah state fans uh because of how it happened right uh maybe not the biggest win in programs history yeah. uh, and people argue the best win but memorable and emotional i don't think you can get higher but what a lot of people will forget is you guys had a really similar kind of game against LSU way back in November. You with the timely plays, Merrill with the big shot at the end, uh, had to come from behind, uh, you know, kind of uh, some unique variables to the game too. Now, I'm sure the atmosphere of the Mountain West Conference Championship was very different and the stakes were totally different. But just in terms of the game yeah. and how it played out, did the SDSU game and the LSU game feel really similar to you at all? So it was weird. The, the the LSU game, they they started off and they just made everything you could you could imagine. They were coming. Their their non shooters were making shots. Yeah. They're getting to the rim. They're they're just making everything. <laughs> and as a group, we we're like like this this isn't gonna this isn't gonna go the whole night. Like we got this. Let's just keep locking in. Just keep chipping away. And they got up big uh, going into half. But even in that our halftime discussion, it was like. Like it's all good. Like this is this is this is nothing. The San Diego State game going into that first half, I didn't realize we were down 16. Like I thought the game was closer. So there was there was a little difference, but both games I felt like we were gonna we were gonna pull ahead. Mm-hmm. For the LSU game, you guys obviously didn't give up, and like you said, yeah, I think they started like five out of six from three, and they were the one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. Um, which made no sense. I mean, they, yeah. they had like 26% shooters hitting threes, like three in a row. Uh, but what moment when yeah. you were behind that night in Jamaica did you feel like, you know what, we're going to win this thing? Like now the game isn't our favor. We're going to win this thing. Um, you know, we uh, early on there was a lot of the game was kind of going back and forth. And then at the end of the half, I think we made a little shot. And then uh, I hit the buzzer beater coming back. And that put us, I think, at like 19 or something. And I'm like, like this. I just felt like this game is in our reach. Like it's, we make a run coming out of this halftime, and and this game is ours. And I think we kind of did that. Like they made a few shots or whatever, but we were we like our energy and our our like how we were locked in. I think I just knew from 
starting that second half, we, we was going to win that game. Yeah, it, it was cool, too, watching it where I was. I was on the call and being around that team, I was right next to your bench. The focus and the, okay, next play, next thing, each time out, next situation, because you guys cut it down to like seven or five or something like that, and they brought it back up to like 12 or 14. And I remember the feeling in the arena was like, oh, okay, there it is. That should do it. And you guys came right back up and didn't – like you you refused to lay down. It was crazy. No, yeah, that, that, that is – I remember that. They, they uh, I think it was Skylar made it to the three. Yep. And that was like – that was a heartbreaker. Like, we, you know, you're, you're making that run. You fight hard. You play D. You get all these stops. And you go get buckets. And then he hits that dagger with, with a few minutes left on the clock. You're looking at the clock like, is there enough time? But uh, as a, as a unit, we never we never faltered. Like we we took it out the net, and we were right back at the next play. So I think just just being as a as a whole, like our mindset was, was locked in, and we we just knew we were going to go win that game. Yeah, that's what I loved about being there that night. It was one of the greatest examples I've ever seen of mental toughness from a team and and togetherness and all all the things you hear about. It's all talk until you get those moments. So I'm watching you guys in the San Diego State game, and I'm going, man, this is very much the same thing in terms of that mental toughness. This is very much the same thing. Did that experience against LSU, did that contribute to what you guys did that night in Las Vegas? Uh, Yeah, I definitely think it it, it had a little factor uh, going into that game. Uh, Our team team was playing a little different, but at the end of the day, we knew what we were capable of coming back on a – the LSU was a really good team, and, and to be able to lock in and do that, uh, we knew we can do that against a lot of guys in the country. Mm-hmm. And obviously San Diego State, they're, what they did this year, they were amazing. But uh, just knowing, like, we're right there. Like, we know we know what we can do, and we know we can compete with anybody in the country. So if we lock in, when, like, if we lock in, we can do it. So just – and that, like, we there was a few moments in that San Diego State game where it was like they would hit a jumper and it'd be like, dang, like we were right there. And then, but we, but then again, like, like the LSU game, we never really faltered and we just kept going. Yeah, your two threes were big, man. Those back-to-back threes was that kind of one of those moments where you felt like, yep, that's the way it's supposed to go. We make the timely plays. I'll just <laughs> give us a chance at the end, and the magic's gonna happen. Was that the sense from you as well as the rest of that group? Yeah, actually, I was um, I was watching the uh, LSU game uh, the other day, actually, and um, and I, I watched both games, the LSU and the San Diego, and the, the at the end of the game, they really played out really similar, yeah, and, and the same and in the aspect, you know what I'm saying? Like the threes hit, and then Sam makes the last one, and then same thing in the LSU when I hit, I think it was one or two threes at the end of the LSU, and then Sam hit the last one, so it was like. <laughs> It was real similar in how the game ended. It was, it was pretty cool for it to finish like that. Oh, yeah. It, it, before we get to the final play of that San Diego State game, is there a memory that you have either in a different game or behind the scenes that you knew, you know what, this Sam Merrill guy, this this is a different dude right here? Uh, you know, um, uh, when I committed, um, I, I followed the team last year, and, um, and that Nevada game, mm-hmm. uh, one of the biggest plays was when he took that charge on the baseline and I'm like I'm like there's not a lot of people that is is going is stepping up and taking that charge right there and I knew right then for him to be like Mountain West player of the year I was like that that gets good 
and uh, obviously he proved it all year. But then when he first hit that game, that dagger at uh, Colorado State, you know, he's like, okay, this is this, this is high level basketball. This that's it. Uh, he could play. So he he kind of he proved it day in and day out. So oh yeah, very few players I've ever watched at the college level have the when the ball's in his hands and the game's on the line, you just you just feel like there's a 90% chance they're going to win it. Like Kemba Walker had that. Uh, yeah. Jerry McNamara had that. Like there's, there's, it's actually, there's just very, very few. Richard Hamilton had a little bit of that too when he was at UConn. But in college, it just doesn't happen as often as we could rattle off dudes in the NBA. Bird, Magic, Jordan, Reggie Miller, whatever. But very few in college have that. Sam Merrill was that kind of guy. So when you're in that moment on the, uh, I think you were on the bench during that final play. When you're in that moment, are you not yeah. just saying to yourself, like, game, it's done, right here, right now, before he ever put the shot up? You know, it, it's hard to think like that, uh, but I, I I, was confident in his abilities. I knew he was going to make a right play. But, like, at, the, at that time, me sitting, on, me sitting on the side, I was like, I was a little more, like, unat ease because I felt like I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have impact. Yeah, right. So right. sitting on the sideline, it was a little harder. It was a little harder for me, but knowing the ball was in Sam's hand, I'm like, okay, we got, we got a chance, but we, just, you know, what I'm saying, I, I, it was, it was like a fifty-fifty in a way. You guys had a stretch though during the season. You weren't playing kind of the way you knew you were capable of playing. Outside of health, which you know teams start to wear down a little bit here and there, what do you feel like was going on during that stretch, and how confident were you that you guys would eventually get it back? Um, it was. That stretch was actually uh, was pretty big time. It, uh, it it helped shape the way our season ended. But I think the biggest difference besides um, injuries and and everything was just that was our when we when we first when we when we first took those a lo- uh, couple losses. That was our first time having everybody back, and so the team dynamic was a little different. Um, you know, people are playing different minutes. People are playing different positions, and. There's, there was a lot of other factors that were going on where we didn't get to play as a unit until January 1st, I believe, or something when, when practices, when practice started. And so, um, during that time, there was a lot of adjustments. Like we had to learn how to play with each other again and, and kind of that way. But I knew we, we all knew that like, yeah, we were losing at the moment, but it's only going to get better because the longer you play with somebody, the more chemistry you get and, and the easier it flows. So we, we, we were confident we were gonna we were gonna pick it back up. It was just we didn't really know when that, that turn was necessarily gonna happen. How big is that with Kata coming back? And and now starting with him. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, he he's an, he's an animal. He's a he's huge, he blocks shots, he scores in the paint and like he was a he was a huge part of our success, but we had to learn how to play with him again, or at least some of the new guys did. It was because early on we were running more like motion, five out, you know, just kind of moving. And then I think when he came back, it kind of it changed a little bit because you know he's he could turn the paint, so he's getting touches, and you know it's it, the 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 team dynamic just changed a little bit. Finishing up with Alfonso Anderson here on the Tony Parks podcast. All right, what are the two or three things you're going to be attacking during this offseason involving your game? Um, more, more mainly, I'm just uh, making sure my body is, is is getting stronger, getting faster, and uh, just being able to be a little more mobile this year. 
Uh, cut down a few pounds. I'm getting stronger, getting leaner, and I uh, really just want to be able to play even more positions than I did this this past year. Um, I've been working on my handle as well to um, to help play different positions and really just uh, becoming a leader of this team. Last year, I was a new guy. I, I had a voice on the team last year, but you know, I was a new guy coming in, so it was a little different. But being being a, uh, having a season under my belt and knowing the system and everything. I feel like I could really help lead these guys and uh, win another championship. Has Coach Smith talked to you about that? Has he said, "Hey, man, I'm going to need you in this department"? Uh, we 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 talked a little bit. Um, with everything going on, we haven't really been able to get together as a team, and we haven't done a lot of team stuff. So we haven't had too many meetings or whatever. But I just kind of think, with me being one of the two seniors on the team, like it's mm-hmm. almost my responsibility, and I I know I'm capable of doing that. So. Outside of that LSU and San Diego State game, how often have you gone back and watched yourself? Uh, I think I've probably watched the seat like all thirty game, all thirty whatever games, okay. probably like two or three times each. Probably two max. Um, I like when I'm whenever I'm bored and I'm just kind of sitting there. I'll I'll like go in order, or, I'll, or if I think of a game that I I know I played bad or I know I played good, I'll I'll go and look at those and see why I played good or why I played that and I actually did that throughout the season a lot like um what I went through a little slump midway through and like I was I was looking back like early like what was I doing now that I'm not or what was I doing then that I'm not doing now so just kind of getting a feel of of what things work and what things don't which game do you like watching most other than that LSU or San Diego State game and then which one makes you cringe which one do you look forward to least uh, uh, so there's a few that that made me cringe this year. I had um, I had a few rough, I had a few rough outings. Um, and I think one of them would be Air Force at Air Force. That one, that one was a disappointing loss, and I think, in my opinion. And then UNLV just kind of just kind of got on us at UNLV. So mm-hmm. I think those two were the worst are the worst to watch. And the other ones I like watching are uh, what other good ones do we have? Colorado State at home was a fun one, um, and I think not Boise State. It was uh, there was another game early on uh, that I that I played I played pretty well that I enjoyed watching. Just and it wasn't that I played well; it was just like I felt in tune with the game, defensively, offensively. Like yeah. It was just, yeah. I just like watching, like watching when, I'm, when I'm able to click and do all that stuff. I know people wouldn't make it like an at-large, def- you know, people wouldn't like uh, make this argument for your guys' at-large chances, but I think there was a late in the season a San Jose State win where it was just a complete team win. I think it was senior night, actually. And the the way the entire yeah, yeah. team played, how mentally connected they were, you guys could have easily taken the night off and won, and you guys had the pedal down early and often. Heck, even Roach had a dunk, you know? I mean, it was, it was I mean, that was a heck you of know? a night, man. Like, I thought that was a, a great sign for you guys. No, yeah, we were we were definitely firing all cylinders. Uh, I think we, we shot the ball well, but I think the biggest thing with that game was but like you said, we like we could have came out black. They were a bottom team in the mountain class, but mm-hmm. uh, 
we all in the lo- even from the locker room was like, let's go out there and, and do it for our team. Let's let's just go out there and win and show everybody that, that we're going into the tournament with a, with a, on a mission. And I think we I think we proved that we rebounded we out rebounded them we shot it well we defended well and I think I think we that definitely helped carry us into the tournament. Well, Alfonso, before, uh, last thing for you here. You've connected so well with Aggie Nation, and Aggie Nation's a huge fan of you. Uh, they love what you were able to add to your t- to their team, but also they 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 kind of love you know what you bring uh, when you don't have the ball in your hands and things like that. They're a very intelligent fan base and a very passionate fan base about their team. When you talk about your experience of being on the court, being on campus, all of that, what was your first wow moment about that fan base and just how much they appreciate? What key players do for them unselfishly, as well as when the ball's in their hand. I didn't. I didn't really. Um, so, like, this is my first time being on like a Division One and stuff. So, like, I've I've experienced like going random places and say, oh, that's bonds or whatever. But when I when we came here, like, we would when we would go out as eat as a team or. Just even go to the grocery store. It'd be like, oh, like Fonzo, like, hey, can we take a picture? And <laughs> and just that that kind of that makes you feel good about yourself, you know. Um, you put in all the hard work and you practice every day and you do all that. And when when fans recognize you and stuff, it, it, it definitely feels good. So being a part of Egg Nation is is lovely. I love it, and I'm looking forward to this year and still being able to interact with fans maybe on a different level you know with everything going on but yeah it's definitely they're definitely great fans well Alfonso I really appreciate you joining me here today it was, it was just great to hear your voice again man catch up with you um keeping my fingers crossed that the season will be starting on time uh, and then we can get back to the schedule that we're you know accustomed to um but until then man take good care of yourself um you know uh, keep the game sharp uh, tell everybody up there in Logan uh, we all said hello and and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon no doubt. I appreciate that. That's Alfonso Anderson of Utah State Basketball. Excited to see what that team is going to do in year three of the Craig Smith era. Uh, we appreciate you so much for listening to the Tony Parks podcast today. As always, you can chime into the show by emailing me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. You can find me on all forms of social media at TonyParks801. Uh, And you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Uh, We appreciate you for your support as always. This has been the Tony Parks Podcast on the Utah Podcast Network.